You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Welcome you to Lesson 2. We're in Chapter 2 of our study of Philippians. You know, this is not a strange time for God. This did not catch Him off guard with Him not knowing what to do next, but it sure has all of us. Uh, you really can see how just daily the directions change, what we're supposed to do change. You ask one person, you get this. You ask another person, you get that. We're just trying our best to navigate through this as people with with limited understanding and a, and a limited view of things. Boy, I tell you, I thank God every day for our president, the great job he's doing at leading this nation. And, you know, you look back and, well, you should have done this. Well, we can all look back two months ago, three months ago in our life and see what we should have done. But at the moment, at the time, our president's just doing a great job leading us through this very difficult time. But as we are in this time, day to day, not knowing what's around the corner, not knowing what's coming next, I want to continue to remind you this did not catch God off guard. He is not going, what do we do next? He's not confused about all of this. We're trying to navigate through it. I'm thanking God for our president who's doing a great job navigating us through it. But our hand is in God's hand, and he can see the beginning from the end, and this hadn't caught him off guard. But here we are in the midst of this uncertain time, facing uncertain future with uncertain plans. We naturally all deal with concerns that want to steal our joy. You know, one of the greatest lessons on how to live life in joy is found in Philippians. What makes Paul's letter to the church at Philippi so profound is that he was in prison, chained to a wall, beaten, and awaiting trial with very uncertain future for him. I mean, he could be beheaded, he could be put upside down on a cross and burned alive. I mean, a horrible death. Paul's future was very uncertain, and in the midst of this horrible situation, Paul writes on how to live in joy. So I can't think of anything better for us in the situation we're in than to read Philippians and see how to live in joy. I'm telling you, we need to be reading Philippians right now probably every single day. Well, open your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Let's pick up right where we left off last week. Philippians chapter 2, let's get going. Is there any encouragement for belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, or your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others also. You know, I want you to know that there is a difference in unity and uniformity. Unity comes from within. It's a matter of the heart. Uniformity comes from a pressure from without to make you conform to what you're being told to do. And it's a big difference. You know, we can see this in life. You can often see this in some teenagers. 
unity in their home where they are accepting their family's values, their family's goals. They are walking in unity with the family. It's a big difference than walking in uniformity with the family, being made to, being made to conform. You know, I hear it. I hear it from parents. Well, Tim, they lived great when they were in our home. They were good when they were here. I don't know what happened to them. Well, it's because they weren't in unity, they were in uniformity. And parents, there's a big difference, and you've got to understand that. Yes, you can force your kids to comply with your values, but make sure you understand it's a big difference in them walking in unity. That's where you have gotten those values in their heart. And they are living the Christian life not because you're making them live the Christian lifestyle, but they're living the Christian lifestyle because it's what's in their heart to do. Paul opens chapter 2 with, there's no joy in living without unity. There's got to be a unity where you are doing what you're doing because it's in your heart to do it. There's no joy possible for the Christian who is selfish, who is trying to impress other people. Pride causes selfishness, and you see it. There's no joy in it's there's no joy possible for somebody who keeps putting themselves above other people, who 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 takes interest in only themselves. We've got to walk in unity in ourself. And there's a big difference in forcing someone to do something and getting those values in their heart. Well, right now, while you're locked in your home, parents, this would be a good time to really begin to talk to your kids, transferring your values, transferring your biblical worldview into your kids' life where they begin to see that for themselves and not just adhere to it because you are forcing them to. Uniformity is no joy. Unity brings joy every time. Let's read on verse 5. You must have this same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being when he appeared in the human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. And he says, we got to think like Jesus. We have to have the same attitude that he had. And Jesus' life, his attitude, the way he thought, the way he lived life was totally unselfish. Jesus was not only thought of by others as who he was. I mean, let me say it like this. Jesus not only thought of others, Jesus did something about it. You know, it's one thing to think of others, but it's another thing to show it by your actions. Jesus became a servant. Yes, he had others in his heart, but he demonstrated that. He became a servant. You know, many are willing to serve other people if it doesn't cost them anything. There's a price to serving. And Jesus gave up his whole life. That was the price he was paid. When you serve other people, it'll cost you. Too many folks want to be a servant. Oh, I just want to be a servant to other people. Well, as long as it doesn't cost them something. And the example that Jesus has given us is being a servant to others 
cost you to lay down your life. We see this Paul's attitude in verse 17, being others-minded. We see this in Timothy's attitude in verse 19 and 20, being others-minded. And we see this in Epaphroditus' attitude in verse 25 and verse 30, of the focus that he walked in was not on himself, but was on other people. The key for joy is to be others-minded. Let's read on verse 9. Therefore God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. You know, we could teach for hours and hours on this. Jesus had been given a name above every name. You know, fear is a name. Well, Jesus' name is above that. His name has more authority and more power than that. He's been given a name above every name. Worry is a name. And Jesus has been given a name above that. Let me remind you, coronavirus, that's a name. And Jesus has been given a name above that. Jesus told us to go in His name. And I teach on this all the time because we do this every day in daily life. If the first grader is sent to the office by their teacher and told to go to the office and pick me up a magic marker from the principal's office, the first grader walks into the principal's office and says, my teacher sent me, Mrs. So-and-so sent me to get a magic marker. Well, that first grader goes in the name of the teacher. If the first grader walked in the principal's office and said, hey, give me a magic marker, the principal would just stare at that first grader. What are you doing coming in this office demanding a magic marker? But when the first grader comes in the office and says, my teacher sent me to get this, see, we know what it is to operate in somebody else's name. We do it all the time. Here, I want you to go to the store. I've got a charge account there. Give them my name and tell them you're there to pick up something for me. Well, the authority that they go into that store is the authority that I have given them to use my name. This is not a foreign, foreign concept. We use this all the time. And this is what Jesus is giving us when he said, go in my name. Jesus has been given a name that's above every name. And when you come to God in the name of Jesus, you're using a name that's above every name. Let's read on in verse 12. Dear friends... You always follow my instructions, and when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Clearly, we don't work our way into salvation. Salvation comes through Jesus and Him alone. You don't earn salvation by what you do or don't do. You achieve salvation by the blood of Jesus. It was a free gift. But after you're saved, when you receive Jesus as Lord, your works show. It demonstrates your salvation. I want to ask a question today as you look back over your life, as you look back over your day. Does your works, does what you do, does that reflect your salvation? Have the results of your life been showing the fact that you are saved? You know, a lot of times you look at people's lives and you don't know if they're saved or not. That's not the way we're supposed to be living our lives. Work hard. Work hard. Look at this. Work hard 
to show the results of your salvation. Every day in your daily life, you've got to work hard to show the results of your salvation. My, what a lesson that is. Okay, here's the point in verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. we got to allow God to work in us. See, God wants to do a work in you, but you've got to allow that. Too often, we keep God at a stiff arm away from us, and we go and visit with Him on a Sunday morning. We go and try to bribe Him to do whatever it is that we need Him to do. But we're to work hard to show the results of our salvation And then our life is to manifest that in daily living. Verse 13, for God is working in you. See, the result of our salvation is shown by us opening our life up and allowing God to work in our life. Read on in verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Oh, man. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Everything? Oh, you know, when my wife asked me to vacuum, I just have to complain and argue a little bit. Come on, that's got to stop with us. We're going to have to live our life doing everything without complaining and arguing. That is the result of our salvation. See, the world complains, the world argues, the world has a bad attitude all the time. But if you're a child of the king, if we are heavenly minded, if we're living showing the results of our salvation, then we will do everything without complaining and arguing. Verse 15, so that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share in that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share in your joy. Woo! Boy, that's a list for us to chew on, read over and over again, write it down, meditate it on. Live your life clean. Are you living your life clean? Live your life innocent. Oh, man. Is your life innocent? Live your life shining. Just follow through there with me, verse 15 through 18. Live your life holding firmly to the Word. Are you holding firmly to the Word in the midst of this difficult situation that we're in, in the midst of this pandemic, are you holding firmly to the Word? If you are, joy is the result of that. See, this is a lifestyle. This is the result of a life that has made Jesus Lord of our life. You know, just for too long and too often, we repeat a little prayer Years ago in our life, we become a Christian, we think we're good to go, and we forget that the walk of Christianity is a lifestyle change, and it shows, it demonstrates that we have accepted Jesus as Lord, 
there is a noticeably different lifestyle. Verse 19. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you for a visit soon. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served me in preaching the good news. And I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Now, so much we could talk about here. Paul met Timothy on his first missionary journey when he was traveling through Lystra and the region of Iconium. Paul comes back through that area on his second journey through there, and he takes Timothy to travel with him. Okay, it's not lucky that he just took Timothy. Well, I wish I would have been chosen to travel with Paul. Wow, what a lucky break Timothy got. Well, I can't believe, why did he take Timothy? Why didn't he take all the other kids there? Well, if you read 2 Timothy chapter 1, you find out that Timothy was a little boy, and he was being drugged to church by a mother and by a grandmother. Many of us can relate to that. A mother and a grandmother that made sure we were drugged to church. All right, now, a mother and a grandmother are dragging Timothy to church. Here comes Paul traveling through this region, and he notices Timothy. He sees him there. The second time Paul comes through, he gets Timothy and takes him on the travels with him, and Timothy becomes the man that he was, all the opportunities that were opened up to him. All right, let's just, I mean, let's just think this through. When Paul came through, Timothy was drugged there by his mother and his grandmother. Why do you think Paul remembered him? Why do you think he stuck out to Paul? You think Timothy was on the back row passing notes? You think Timothy was there on his cell phone texting his friends across the room and giggling with them? I mean, what do you think Timothy was doing? I'm assuming that Timothy was there, front row, wide-eyed, taking notes, being attentive. Here's my message in this to us. Opportunities come by you all the time. For all of our young people that are watching out here, for all of our teenagers that are watching me right now, I want you to know opportunities come by every day. And when they do, what do they see you doing? What is your attitude? What is your mindset? An opportunity just passed you by, but you were over there talking with your friends. An opportunity just passed by in church on Sunday morning, and you were on the back row texting. See, an opportunity passes you by. Timothy apparently was living a life. Yes, his mother drug him. Yes, his grandmother drug him. But he wasn't kicking and fighting. He was engaged in what God was doing. And that impressed Paul And Paul picked him up, and my look at the opportunities that was open to him. Paul was impressed by Timothy. I'm just telling you today, opportunities pass you all the time. Be careful for where you are and the way you're presenting yourself. Timothy cared for people. He was concerned about their needs. And look in verse 22, he proved himself. Well, Timothy was just lucky. Paul picked him. There wasn't nothing lucky about it. Timothy proved himself. I'm asking you today, are you proving yourself? 
Are you proving yourself to God? Are you proving yourself to those around you? You got to live a life that's proving yourself of worthy. We got to read on the next guy here that Paul talks about in verse 25. Meanwhile, I thought I should send you Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier. He was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy, and give him the honor that people like him deserve, for he risked his life for the work of Christ. And he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Wow, boy, our next example here, the guy Epaphroditus, Paul can't say enough about this guy. Well, we could talk a lot, a lot about what's here in this guy's life. A true brother, a true co-worker, a true fellow soldier. Can that be said about us? Can that be said about me? Can that be said about you? That you are a true brother? Oh, somebody hurt your feelings, so you don't have anything else more to do with them. Are you a true brother? Or are you a true co-worker? You know, what a tragedy it is to go through life and not be a blessing to anyone. My goodness, what a tragedy it is for you to go through your whole life and not be a blessing to anybody. And here the Apostle Paul is saying, what a blessing Epaphroditus has been to him. Are there a few people in your life that you truly are a blessing to? I want you to see this in verse 26. Now, this is amazing. This guy, Epaphroditus, is distressed because you heard he was sick. Are you kidding me? He's not distressed because he's sick. He's distressed because he's worried about you worrying about him being sick. Now, man, that's a new twist. And as a matter of fact, Paul says he was very ill. He didn't just have a little bit of a cold or a little runny nose here. This guy was very ill, even to the point of death. And laying on his deathbed, he's worried about the fact that other people know he's sick and he doesn't want them to worry about him. Wow. That's how you live in joy. That's how you live in joy. You experience joy in the most difficult times of your life when your whole focus is on other people. Here's Epaphroditus, sick, so sick that he could die. He's that ill, and he's concerned about other people and what they're going through. Here's the Apostle Paul writing this letter. He's in prison. Here's Epaphroditus, very sick to the point of death, and their concern is for other people. Well, there is just so much in chapter 2. I mean, this is a message for all of us, and especially a message for all of us right now. In the midst of this difficult time that we're in, you go back and read chapter 2. This week, read chapter 2 over and over and over. Just read each section just like we have in this Bible study, and then you meditate on that. Some way, somehow, we got to get our eyes off of ourselves. 
And we got to be a blessing to other people. Begin to look around and see what you could do for somebody else. Don't worry about what you're going through. Get on the phone right now and call somebody and find out how they're doing. Check on somebody else today. Let's get our concern on others and not ourselves. I'll see you right here next week for chapter 3. Let me close in prayer. Father God, today I pray over each one of our church members as we are here in our homes doing the best we can to still meet together and join for church. God, the power of your word now in chapter 1 of Philippians and in chapter 2 of Philippians as we read over and over your word. God, your word manifests itself in our life and that we truly walk in joy that only comes from you. We honor you today. We focus on you today. And we put our mind on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I'll see you here next week. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.